Well, okay, so now that we talked about what has happened in the past, how do we address this uh, issue of the rivalry between the two gangs, the Bloods and the Crips? So I would like to start by uh, introducing this idea of how I fit with the problem. Well, I fit into this specific issue by providing my viewpoints as a uh, bystander who views the conflict between the Bloods and Crips in an object objective, unbiased manner. My perspective on the issue is that both internal and external changes need to occur in order for the issue to be resolved as a whole. I've lived in multiple different countries like South Korea and Singapore, and this is what influenced my thinking in regards to how the issue should be addressed. From Singapore's implementation of very strict gun regulations with almost extreme punishments to South Korea's peaceful candle pro protests where word of mouth was used to shed light on our previously corrupt president, my experiences in countries like these is what shaped my thinking in terms of resolving the issue in hand. This issue is a complex issue that is quite difficult to resolve because of the existence of a multitude of different elements that are intertwined with the rivalry between the two gangs. For instance, if we look at the timeline of the rivalry, violence is an omnipresent element, specifically gun violence. The implication might be that since gun violence is how the two gangs mainly rival each other, uh, the introduction of new legislations and policies and the augmentation of pre-existing pre gun control laws could be potent enough to resolve the issue at hand, but this isn't the case. Even though there have been several legislations that have been introduced, like the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, which mandates licensed dealers to conduct background checks on potential buyers according to the American Progress Organization, these new legislations and heightened gun laws did not have a noticeable did not have noticeable impacts on the rivalry of the two gangs, which is still ongoing today. The main reason why the uh, gun legislations were not as effect effective as it could have been is because of the various loopholes that exist within gun control legislations. From the private sales loopholes to the Charleston loophole, the list goes on and on. Looking specifically at the private sales loophole, the federal law does not mandate private retailers selling guns on online websites and shops to conduct background checks on potential buyers. In a, in, in a statistic provided by the G Giffords Law Center, 45% of Americans who purchased guns online did not have to go through a background check and 22% of total gun owners um, in, total per in total purchased firearms uh, without going through a 22 and 22% of gun owners in total purchased firearms without going through a comprehensive background check. In addition to loopholes, there's also the problem how access to guns is a fundamental right that every American has, as stated in the Constitution. Due to the right uh, to bear arms being such an important aspect of modern American society, not a lot of individuals for, uh, are for the implementation of strict gun laws. According to a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, only around 53% of Americans thought that gun legislations should be stricter. In addition, according to the Everytown Organization, a mere 21 states out of 50 states adopted the policy that mandates background checks to handguns or small firearms. The implication here is that a significant number of individuals are against the idea of stricter gun control due to the right to bear arms being so deeply ingrained in American society. Conclusively, gun control is an extremely complex issue in itself, um, as we saw earlier, and hence the rivalry between the Crips and Bloods is such a complex issue because only a mere single aspect of it um, is already very complicated. Besides gun violence, uh, resides the issue of gang culture itself as well. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, gangs claim land, 
have their own internal organizations, make their own rules, conduct rites of passage, operate in the common interest, and identify themselves as a people separate from the rest of society. Because gangs have their own sense of governance and operate like a mini-nation totally alienated from the rest of American society, external changes in general, such as the introduction of new sets of policies or an augmentation of police force, will not have a significant impact on gangs and their behavior. In a similar fashion, the rivalry between the Bloods and Crips will not be ended so easily by changes inflicted in the community that they reside in, hence making this issue so complex. <clears throat> so looking back at the comprehensive timeline of the Crips and Bloods rivalry, establishing a peace treaty, the Watch Truce specifically, was quite effective in neutralizing the rivalry. Whilst this specific strategy did not completely resolve the conflict between the two gangs, it certainly played an important part or role in significantly abating it. The efficacy of the establishment of the Watch Truce was very high because the effects of it were almost instantaneous. There certainly have been attempts to put an end to the rivalry of the two gangs. For instance, according to the Black Past organization, individuals like Reverend Charles Mim Jr. and Nation of Islam leader Louis Abdul Farahan held a peace summit to discuss possible opportunities for peace and delivered public speeches, respectively, uh, in an attempt to unite the two and end the long-lasting rivalry. Attempts like these failed as the events didn't have a noticeable impact on their two rivaling gangs' relationship, although multiple people joined. It was with the Watch Troops, however, that the peace between the Bloods and Crips were finally achieved, at least in a temporary fashion. Starting with the two major factions from each side of the rivalry, which included the, the Bounty Hunters, Bloods, Grape Street, Watts, Crips, Hacienda Village, Bloods, and PJ Watts, Crips, other factions started to declare themselves at peace only a day after. Uh, essentially, due to the nature of the treaty, as soon as it was signed, factions of the Bloods and Crips immediately entered a state of peace. Hence, peace treaties worked effectively in resolving in the, the rivalry but because its effects were immediate. Well, the peace treaty didn't just arise out of nowhere, however, uh, re- because residents who have indirect ties to the two gangs, uh, people who live in the same areas uh, where the Crips and Bloods reside, or people who have sisters and brothers who are involved in the gangs, had conversations with fellow Crips and Bloods members. Um, and the peace treaty arose as a cons- consideration. These individuals collectively brought the possibility of peace into light. Conclusively, the strategy of establishing a peace treaty was effective, and in order to make that a reality, awareness of this aforementioned opportunity had to be brought up through conversations from people who have indirect ties with the gangs, the gang, uh, uh, with the gangs, to the gang members themselves and individuals in general. Whilst the truce is still ongoing today, the rivalry between the two gangs is still ongoing as well. Therefore, in addition to the troops, additional steps need to be taken to completely resolve this issue. With that being said, my first proposition in regards to resolving this issue would be to uh, A. Tighten federal legislations surrounding gun control. And my second proposition would be to B. Actively spread awareness regarding the frankly frivolous war that the two gangs are active members of so that a more comprehensive peace treaty could be established. Looking back at the continuities of this issue, violence is a factor that re-emerges as time goes on. Specifically, gun violence that occurs between the Bloods and Crips remains as a continuity, despite the numerous changes that happened in the Bloods versus Crips timeline that stretches out to this day. 
The idea here is that uh, if the use of gun violence is discontinued as a result of heightened gun control legislation, the rivalry between the two gangs will theoretically come to a halt because their main method of rivaling against each other is fundamentally eliminated. For instance, in a country like Singapore, where the possession of guns are completely banned and the illicit possession of firearms could land one into capital punishment, the number of gun violence cases amongst gangs are virtually non-existent. Contrary to Singapore, however, despite having numerous legislations to ensure that guns uh, didn't, don't go in the wrong hands, U.S. gun laws still contain several flaws and loopholes. For instance, according to Brady.org, gun sales without background checks, unregulated online gun sales, and poorly implemented prohibition laws are just a few flaws that exist within the gun control regulations. If these aforementioned flaws were to be patched with the reinforcement of certain policies and introduction of new legislative measures to ensure that federal gun laws cover all types of firearms, gangs will ultimately have uh, not have uh, will ultimately not have access to guns. Not only will the aforementioned strategy have an impact on the Bloods and Crips rivalry, but also it will be beneficial in deterring gun violence that happens outside the realm of gun violence. Well, with the recent shootings in Texas. Stricter and wider uh, gun legislations will definitely aid in reducing or even eliminating cases of gun violence throughout LA and beyond. In essence, it is of paramount that gun federal gun laws are reinforced and tightened and widened because the use of gun violence is what enabled the rivalry historically and contemporarily. While stricter federal gun laws could potentially hinder the rivalry between the Bloods and Crips, Relying on stricter gun laws and stricter gun laws only shouldn't be the case. Instead, with stricter gun control should also come the active spreading of awareness regarding the rivalry and deliverance of the message that the this fierce rivalry between the two are ultimately trivial and benefits absolutely no one. For example, looking back at the establishment of the 1992 Watts Truce, the peace treaty was able to be emerged because individuals like Akela Sharils, who lived in communities that the two gangs reside in, and who have intricate ties to the gangs, um, gangs, were able to hold discussions with numerous other individuals and gang members themselves about how everyone from both sides were suffering and how the rivalry between the two sides were better off ended. In the realm of business, uh, there is a saying that word of mouth is the best form of advertising. Uh, this is due to the fact that mouth-to-mouth -mouth communication is frankly direct and trustworthy. Similarly, changes in policies, although effective to a certain extent, won't be able to completely demotivate the two gangs to engage in a rivalry with each other. Direct conversations with the gang members, like with the 1992 Watts Truce, will be a requirement on top of uh, strict gun regulations for the complete dismantling of uh, the rivalry between the two gangs to have a decent chance of occurring. Therefore, like the like how the East Coast music inspired residents of the Watts neighborhood and individuals with indirect ties with the two gangs to hold conversations regarding the possible opportunity of peace in 1992, in order to enable such conversations, music could be used as a tool, a tool to spread the universal message, the message that the war uh, that the two gangs are fighting to this day is ultimately trivial and benefits no one, and a tool to raise awareness around the rivalry between the two gangs. However, instead of relying on music stores from outside of LA, like for instance New York or New Jersey, music that promotes peace could be created and spread within the neighborhoods of LA. Essentially, internal change or change in perspective towards the rivalry from the gang members themselves achieved through the aforementioned strategy 
alongside external changes such as policy changes and revisions, could be extremely potent in resolving the issue in regards to the two gangs rivalry. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope you have a good day.